This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we gather in the presence of all the saints. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak to us through it by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder who comes to your mind on this All Saints Sunday. Who do you remember as a saint? Perhaps it's some of those names that we heard from the children and and the adults earlier. Perhaps it's some of the heroes of the faith that we heard referenced in our reading from the Apocrypha this morning. Uh, I want to add to those famous men and sing the praises of some of the famous women uh, that we encounter in the Old Testament. Women like Sarah and Rachel, Miriam, Naomi, Ruth, Deborah, Esther, Rahab, the unnamed servant girl who prevailed on her proud master Naaman to go to the prophet Elisha for healing. The list could go on and on. Now, of course, the saints are not just the heroes of the Bible, the apostles, the martyrs, or more up-to-date saints like um, Mother Teresa. Every follower of Jesus can be referred to as a saint. Indeed, that is exactly how St. Paul addressed many of his letters to the saints in Rome to the church in Corinth called to be saints, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in Colossae. Every faithful follower of Jesus is counted among the saints. And today, in particular, we remember and give thanks to God for the saints that have gone before us in this place, in our church family, and in our own families. I love to show newcomers to Ascension our columbarium, um, the place where we inter the ashes of loved ones who have died there in the Oliver Chapel on your right against the wall. Two of the saints of our church family that I'm particularly remembering this year are Christina Carlucci and Lenore Dixon. I'm sure many of you are too, along with many others, some who have died so very recently. I wonder, who are some of the saints for whom you give thanks this day? You know, I I thank God for my granny, Jessie Sutton. Um, I'm sorry that my kids never knew her. Jessie died just the week before my son Jack was born. But Jessie Sutton was a saint, a faithful follower of Jesus. She was a positive, sparkly we Scottish lady who loved Jesus, served others, and prayed for me every single day of my life until her death. But what should the life of a faithful follower of Jesus, a saint, look like? After all, we who are among the saints are also well and truly among the sinners. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus sheds light 
on what being his follower will be like. The context near the start of Luke's gospel is the teaching Jesus uh, gives to his disciples just after he had chosen 12 to follow him. And in these verses, we see Jesus telling these disciples what they can expect. I want you to listen, please, to Eugene Peterson, the author of The Message, his paraphrase of this passage in the words of Jesus. He writes this. You're blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is there for the finding. You're blessed when you're ravenously hungry. Then you're ready for the messianic meal. You're blessed when the tears flow freely. Joy comes with the morning. Count yourself blessed every time someone cuts you down or throws you out, every time someone smears or blackens your name to discredit me. But it's trouble ahead if you think you have it made. What you have is all you'll ever get. And it's trouble ahead if you're satisfied with yourself. Yourself will not satisfy you for long. And it's trouble ahead if you think life's all fun and games. There's suffering to be met, and you're going to meet it. Now, in some ways, I'd love to stand here and preach to you this morning about how we can be saints who will enjoy health and wealth and prosperity and everlasting happiness. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to shortchange you with empty promises. Instead, I want to invite you to join me in wrestling with these words of Jesus. You want to be a saint? You want to be a follower of me, says Jesus? Then this is what you need to know. You need to know about poverty and hunger and weeping, rejection and loving your enemies. These challenging words of Jesus are clearly not advice for the good life. They're not even commandments for how to live. Rather, they're words that tell us something about the way the world really is when viewed through God's eyes. Jesus is making an announcement to his disciples about what's going on, what is happening. The kingdom of God is near. And these are kingdom words. These are gospel words. These are true words of real hope and real life. It's a little bit counterintuitive, but it's so true. Follow me, Jesus says, because in me, you will see how things really are. You will see that God is doing a new thing. Jesus turns upside down the advice and the ways of the world. We all know that the world and its advertisers promise us health, wealth, happiness, and success. We all know, I imagine, also, that these promises just don't deliver. Instead, they enslave us to a life of chasing after illusionary pots of gold at the end of illusionary rainbows. We need something other than the empty promises that drive people to become addicted to food or sex or work or life on a treadmill that moves ever quicker, going nowhere faster. This morning we find here no false advertising promises, but rather assurances of hope for the poor, for the weak and the downtrodden, for the depressed, the burned out, the threatened. You know, the word for blessed can also be translated wonderful news. And please note, this is not 
only about some future promise for when we die. No, it concerns the peace and the joy that we can know today, even in the midst of death, even in the face of illness, even when we're facing great loss or betrayal. It's about each and every one here being able to know God's presence in times of tears and poverty or despair. So briefly, I want to look at these five characteristics of being a saint, a follower of Jesus. First, poverty. In chapter 4 of Luke's gospel, Jesus had preached good news to the poor, and yet within that, he seemed to include those who were economically at least rich. In chapter 5, Jesus proclaimed good news for a rich tax collector, Levi. And so the poverty that we need to embrace then is the bankruptcy of our own ability to become saints by trying harder, by pushing through, by being good, by trusting in ourselves. Last week, uh, for those of you who are here, I mentioned King David, a very wealthy king who had to come face to face with his own poverty. After he'd believed his own press, thought he was invincible, had fallen into grievous sin, lusting after and then committing adultery with Bathsheba, he finally comes to his senses. And we read his words in Psalm 51. The sacrifices of God. Not tons of money. Not good works. No, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. That rich king learned what it was to be poor. Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. As saints today, we can surprise the world as being those who acknowledge our own poverty and bankruptcy of spirit, as we claim not a self-righteousness, but a righteousness that comes only from God, by his grace and by his mercy. Second, hunger. How easily we hunger and crave and long for things that can never satisfy, never fulfill. The true saint hungers and thirsts to be more like Jesus. I wonder, how might we surprise the world with our longings? Are we known, those of us who follow Jesus, as those who long for justice, who are hungry to see others treated fairly? Or are we no different from anyone else? A true saint acknowledges their poverty and their hunger. And thirdly, knows about tears. There are many of you here this morning, I know, who have shed many tears. You have cried over loved ones who are far from God. You have cried in the face of sickness and death. You have cried as you have been confronted with another's sin that has enormously impacted your life. You have cried as you have faced your own sin, your own selfishness or rebellion. Hear the good news of the gospel that Jesus offers to those who mourn and weep today. You will laugh. You will you will laugh. Jesus, the great physician, Jesus, our friend and brother, 
Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer, loves you. He walks with you. He comforts you. And he knows all about tears. Indeed, he shed so many himself. He cried over Jerusalem. He cried in front of Lazarus' grave. He cried before his own betrayal and crucifixion. Jesus knew unspeakable grief. Fellow saints, let us surprise the world as those who are willing to be vulnerable even through our tears. Fourth, rejection. The rejection Jesus refers to here is not rejection for being annoying or selfish or judgmental. Rather, he's talking about being rejected because of our commitment to Christ. May we never become so addicted to the pleasures and positions of this world that we aren't prepared to lose wealth or happiness or health or status for the sake of the Son of Man. Our willingness to be rejected for the sake of our faith, our beliefs, our integrity, our defending of the defenseless may be very surprising to the world. As saints, then, we may expect poverty, hunger, tears, rejection. And the fifth and perhaps most powerful mark of a saint is this. Love. And this is not normal love. This is not love for those who love you back. This is not sensible love or reasonable love. No, this is unreasonable love. Love for our enemies. Love for those who work against us. Love for those who wish us harm. If you want to spot a true saint, look at how they handle opposition, exclusion, rejection, and insult. We're not called as Christians simply to stay cool and, and, and merely not retaliate. No, we are called to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who take advantage of us. We are called to be those who practice forgiveness. Forgiveness meets our enemies at the foot of the cross. And that place is level ground for them and for us. I don't know whether you have a prayer list, but if you do, if they're not already on it, I encourage you to add the names of the people who don't like you, the people who have wronged you, who have hurt you. Pray for them. You know, this kind of love is unreasonable, abnormal, and out of all proportion. This is the love that surprises the world. If we will humbly embrace these five saintly ways, these five marks of a saint, these five ways to be followers of Jesus, I cannot promise you a stress-free, successful life where all will be well. Far from it. I cannot promise that your poverty, hunger, tears, rejection, and love of your enemies will make you popular or that people will speak well of you. Indeed, we're warned we should be rather careful if all speak well of us. Jesus said, Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that's what their ancestors did to the prophets, the false prophets. Jesus did not get crucified because he was popular, well-liked, inoffensive, or nice. I wonder, what is your reputation at work or where you live? What is our reputation as a church? Well, I know something about the latter. I think it's fair to say that we have a pretty good reputation, which is why we have to be careful. 
You know, many know Ascension to be a place that has good liturgical worship and fine music and biblical preaching and good food, just to name a few things. Although to others, we have a different kind of reputation. Maybe we're too big or we're too white or that we don't care enough about the poor. There are some even who know us or think they know us who see us as bigoted or judgmental or self-righteous. What are we to do with that? Well, we could just bask in the first set of accolades and ignore the rest. We could say that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And to some extent, there's some truth in that, but better surely by far for each of us to take an honest look at ourselves and where we are found wanting to come to God, seeking afresh his mercy and his help. We could challenge those who speak ill of us. We could argue that God's call to reach out to all people with love and welcome, with compassion and grace, is proclaimed boldly at ascension. And we could also say that there's no inconsistency between having this kind of welcome and love and at the same time proclaiming the timeless truths of God's word that may challenge or convict and may be uncomfortable for people to hear. And yet, having said all of that, so very often our actions speak so much more loudly than our words. The real power of our witness and mission and ministry comes not primarily through our words, but more so through our unreasonable, passionate love for God and for our neighbor, and yes, even for our enemies. It is in how we live our lives 24-7 that people will properly judge us and form their views about us. I hope that whatever reputation we may have for being a church of welcome will increase. I hope that, that we will more and more be known as a people who have good news and as a place where there is blessing for the poor, the hungry, those who are weeping or have been rejected. What if, above all, we had a reputation in this city for loving others? Church of the Ascension, a place where sinners find welcome. May that truly be our reputation. I want to share with you the words of an old hymn. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus stands ready to save you, full of pity, love and power. Come, ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty, glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. Come, ye weary and heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. View him prostrate in the garden. On the ground your maker lies. On the bloody tree behold him. Sinner, will this not suffice? I hope you don't think this place is just for those who think they've got everything figured out, for those who are somehow better than others. This crowd of saints is comprised of sinners, sinners who know the blessings and forgiveness and the grace of God. 
Blessed are you who are poor, hungry, in tears and rejected, for here you will find love. On this All Saints Sunday, come ye sinners, for you are welcome here. Amen.